Welcome to Protecting Animal Welfare in Today's World, Building Unity Through Understanding, a series of podcasts sponsored by the Ontario Veterinary Medical Association and the College of Veterinarians of Ontario. I'm Jan Robinson, the Registrar and CEO of the College of Veterinarians of Ontario, and I will be the host of this session. There are six sessions in this podcast series focused on veterinary medicine and animal welfare. This is the sixth and final session, and today we're going to discuss the role of veterinarians as expert witnesses in animal welfare cases. I'm joined by Scott Sylvia, a senior investigator and program development officer with the Provincial Animal Welfare Services at the Ministry of the Solicitor General. I'm also joined by Dr. Heather Melanishan, a veterinarian who graduated from the Ontario Veterinary College in 2020. In May of 2021, Heather was offered the position as the head of veterinary services at the Kingston Humane Society. It is here that Heather first became involved in animal welfare cases and has since testified twice, interacting closely with animal welfare officers. Finally, I'm joined by Dr. Bruce Robertson, another graduate of the Ontario Veterinary College who has worked as a veterinarian in general practice for over 25 years. In the last 15 years, Bruce has taken on consultation work in the area of veterinary forensics and has testified in many animal welfare cases as an expert witness. Welcome and thank you to you both for joining me today. So Scott, I'm, I'm going to begin with you and perhaps you can describe for us and chat with us a little bit about uh, expert witnesses and the role of the Provincial Animal Welfare Services in supporting veterinarians through this experience. Hi, good morning, Jen. Thanks for having me. Expert witnesses, are, especially when it comes to animal welfare cases, are very crucial. Just you know, to provide a brief definition or an explanation, ordinary witnesses typically have to answer questions and tell the judge what they saw or heard. They don't give their opinions about what happened or what their observations were in that respect. Expert witnesses interpret the facts of the case and give their opinions based on their expertise, their training, and uh, any other resources and materials that they may have. Expert witnesses have the expertise, especially veterinary expert witnesses, have the expertise in the diagnosis, the treatment, overall health of animals, and even some veterinarians may focus on a specific area, such as small animals, livestock, exotic animals, uh, equine, and some other areas. Uh, they have a very special place in animal welfare, especially in the court and ACRBs, by bringing their knowledge and skills in the form of opinion evidence to educate the court. And this allows for the fact finder, the judge, the jury, uh, the, the courtroom, to be able to make legal decisions much more effectively. I'm wondering if you could just add a little bit as well, Scott, as to how the services support veterinarians navigate this system. Sure. Personally speaking, AWS Animal Welfare Services, we don't just have a role, but we have a responsibility to ensure that when we're working closely with veterinarians, that they're informed and prepared as much as possible about our processes, the expectations, whether it's simply to request services for the care of an animal in our care, or in our custody, whether it's a hearing with the Animal Care Review Board or if it's a court hearing for offenses. 
for example, before we bring an animal to a veterinarian, we'll start by providing with the veterinarian with as much possible ahead of time about the animal, including physical descriptions of the animal, its current conditions, the environment from which it came from, uh, current behavior and any, anything in relation to that, and any information on top of that which may be relevant. The same applies when veterinarians are sought by AWS to assist us with search warrants or inspections. Whenever possible, we'll provide the veterinarian with as much information ahead of time before they set foot on the ground, which includes explaining risks, as well as what the PAWS Act allows AWS to do in the means of things like removal or euthanasia of animals, and how the role of the veterinarian and their veterinary opinion for the most humane course of action will help best serve the animal and how we can help facilitate that action. Again, when further possible, speaking towards animal care review boards or ACRB and court hearings, we will endeavor to assist in connecting with the veterinarian ahead of time uh, with ourselves as well as with the prosecutor or AWS representative at the ACRB hearing to ensure that they're as best prepared as possible when giving their opinion and testimony. We want to make sure that they're best prepared, that if they have any questions ahead of time, if there's anything that they need, we want to make sure that's taken care of. That's, uh, that's really helpful. Thank you. One of the things that's really um, all, so helpful for veterinarians is to really hear the personal experiences of peers and others in the field. And so we're so glad to have Bruce and Heather here with us. And Bruce, we're going to begin with you. And I wonder if you can start us off a little bit around how you have, in your great experience in this area, thought about evidence and the definitions that you're using to uh, do your work. Sure. Thank you, Jan. Scott, you know, gave a bit of an overview of the role of a veterinarian involved with animal welfare services, and uh, it's probably been addressed previously, but, you know, a lot of the, uh, the work of the veterinarian revolves around the definition of distress, and we're not talking a dictionary definition, we are talking the legal definition of distress with regards to animals in Ontario's system. So if you're going to do uh, work with AWS, you, know, you need to be comfortable with that definition. And I'm not going to go through it now, but essentially the veterinarian is asked to you know, look at a situation or a condition of an animal and say, is this proper care? You know, the legislation is rather broad and you are asked to use your experience, education and expertise to determine, is this proper, is it not? You may be asked to give some guidance in the field to investigators with regards to uh, writing orders uh, that would be undertaken to alleviate that distress. Or you may be asked to describe reasons why you feel animals might either need to be removed from the property and taken into care or unfortunately euthanized uh, due to con the conditions that they were found in. When it comes to testifying, uh, again, Scott indicated, you know, normally witnesses are providing facts. Experts can give facts, what they saw, what they experienced. However, they can also take all of that information and synthesize it into a theory and can give opinion evidence. I know a lot of veterinarians are concerned. They would say, well, I'm not an expert. Well, within the Ontario court system, a licensed veterinarian would be considered to be an expert. To be an expert, you need to know more than the trier of fact, you know, the arbitrator or the judge or justice, and you need to be able to assist them in answering both the questions from the Crown 
or the defense attorney, but the judge themselves. You may be asked to define a term, explain a concept. And I will also say that you know, you're not on any particular side. You are a neutral, independent agent of the court. You're there to tell your truth, your opinion. It's not about winning or losing. You're just there to assist the process. And the onus is not on you to you know, either close the case, win the case. It's just to be comfortable with the information you're presenting and to be you know, nonpartisan and just helpful to the uh, process overall. That was a very clear and very helpful information and advice, uh, Bruce. My understanding is that you have had uh, a lot of your experience in being an expert in the area of large animal medicine. I'm wondering if you can share some of your experience, as well as the fact I think you have been doing this long enough that you have been able to be a mentor to others as well. So you might want to share a little bit about uh, that too. Sure. When I was speaking about proper care, often we're called to identify a number of different husbandry requirements for different species. And something that I have found very useful in those determinations would be to look at the various codes of practice. So just about all of the, the major commodity groups for large animals have uh, collaborated on written codes of practice, uh, starting, I believe, with dairy almost 20 years ago. The animal welfare inspectors, uh, AWS staff can provide these to you. They're also available easily on the internet. Um, how I use these documents, they, you know, in, in big, bold type and yellow boxes, set minimum standards of, you know, you must. Any of those requirements I take as kind of the bottom line minimum standard that should be provided failure to do so to me would indicate animals would be in distress. There's an awful lot of other further advice beyond that. And I would say those are ways of improving animal welfare, but would not be indicative of distress. Uh, and often I will refer right back to that document. You know, it is not in and of itself legislation, but to me, it is information that underpins that definition of distress and can be very useful in considering these cases. Uh, yes, I've been doing this for over 15 years, Jan, and I'm often called upon to, uh, I won't say give guidance necessarily, but just discuss cases with veterinarians who have not necessarily gone through this process before. Um, and I would never presume to tell them how to run their case, but just uh, give an idea of the structure and some helpful suggestions. Uh, I had the pleasure of working with Heather uh, last year on what I believe was her first case. Uh, I attended the property virtually because I was actually on another inspection that day and couldn't attend directly. Uh, animals were removed and went into Heather's care. And she, AWS, uh, you know, gave her the opportunity if she wished to reach out to me. Uh, she did take that opportunity and we discussed, you know, a few things. And I guess I'll, we'll have to get for her feedback how she found that process. So I'll leave it at that, Jan. Okay, super, Bruce. Thank you for that. So Heather, that's such a nice segue. Uh, let's move over to you because your experience uh, is fairly new and also in small animal. And uh, we'll have listeners with both uh, large animal and small animal backgrounds. So can you talk to us a little bit about uh, your uh, early engagement with this and some of how you've approached it? 
Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here. So like Bruce said, uh, I was presented with a case um, early on starting into shelter medicine. So it was kind of all new to me, but I kind of first and foremost went back to the roots that they teach you in vet school, you know, your medical records and how important those are. So when the animals arrived to the shelter, I worked closely with the animal welfare officers who took pictures. They kind of reminded me, you know, can you look at this? Can we document this? Can you make sure you write this down? Um, so they helped me right from the get-go. So that was great. And then I just kind of, I have a template of my usual medical records. I went through that and then I wanted to make sure that I wasn't missing anything. So that's when I called Bruce and I wanted to make sure that my notes were as thorough as possible. Um, and as straightforward as possible so that everything was documented correctly and that nothing could kind of come back on me in any sort of way and making sure that I didn't miss anything and that everything was kind of clear and to the point. Could you talk a little bit about testifying and, and that experience and the uh, interaction with AWS and just how that unfolded for you? Sure, yeah, I was definitely nervous. I feel like you watch, you know, lawyers on TV and everything and you see how terrifying and grueling they can be. So I definitely kind of had a sort of preconceived notion of how this might go. But in speaking to Bruce, um, as well as uh, some of the officers, they kind of said to me, like Bruce said, explained how I am an expert witness. And so that helped a lot hearing the definition of that. I also had the opportunity to go through a mock trial with um, the lawyer that was on this case, like that was on um, presenting the animal welfare side of things. And that was extremely helpful. They went through literally everything. I was on the phone with them for two hours and we went through, okay, well, if you say it this way, it can sound like this. If you say it this way, then it's more straightforward. So simple things like that, you know, reiterating that I am an expert in this and kind of you guys said earlier is that sometimes we don't feel like an expert in this but we are we went to school for this we know what we're doing and if we don't we have the resources to look it up so going through that mock trial was extremely helpful I became way more confident in my skills uh, as well as my knowledge and my medical records so you have that to fall back on. You have the animal welfare officers that are there to who have gone through trials before that say, you know, your notes are great. I was there. We took pictures, all of that. So there is a lot of support. And after that mock trial, I felt super confident. And the day of, you're still nervous, but you know that what you've done is, is you, you've trained for this. You've gone to school for this. You wrote great notes. You saw those animals when they came into your care. And no matter what they throw at you in the trial, you have your facts. And that's kind of what you have to go off of. So some really terrific points that have been raised for veterinarians to think about in terms of engaging uh, with AWS. And, you know, you've raised some of them. Heather, I think Bruce has as well, you know, about be factual. You know, you talked about records you know, maintaining uh, clear records, maintaining thorough records and how important that is. The fact that you can reach out to peers uh, for questions and support and uh, those with experience 
uh, as well. And then also the fact that uh, there's opportunity in the system at large to really test out and gain some confidence before you're right in the middle uh, of the scenario. So some really great points around that. I'm wondering if we can just uh, segue back to Scott and maybe wrap up with uh, just having you be uh, from the AWS side, uh, Scott, around the importance, you know, of the expert witness and why understanding and appreciating this role is so key to the system as a whole. When it comes to the veterinarian, they are the, you know, as, as was pointed out, they are the experts in this. They can speak to things much more clearly and much more definitively when providing when we provide our evidence and our information in court, how the veterinarian can determine what they're seeing and what they've identified in their examinations and how this relates to the causing or permitting of distress to this animal and how this can be, you know, connected to, you know, an offense or how this is causing this pain and suffering on the animal. Uh, it's crucial that, you know, we, we support them with everything when we're asking upon them and putting upon them to assist us with our cases which you know, it leads me to something else, which is the feedback from the veterinarians as well. Understanding what worked for the veterinarian, what they found helpful, what they didn't find helpful, what they needed, what they would like to see more of. If there was mistakes or oversights that we should have looked at or something that they found was troubling and changes that they would like to see moving forward. All of this is, is, is critical information that we would like to have from the veterinarians and we encourage them to you know, speak to us ask us questions like, what are we doing here in the future? What are we doing now? I had a previous experience with, with, with AWS and, and an ACRB, and this is what happened. Is there something that's changing along those lines? Is this something we can look into? Is this something we can move forward on? Or something that they find in the legislation, which is causing confusion or you know, having difficulty with that. All of this is very, very important when we're getting this information from our veterinarians so that we can bring it forward, make those changes, support that role, and that collaborative effort even more so for the future when working with AWS. Thank you again to Scott Sylvia, Dr. Heather Melanition, and Dr. Bruce Robertson for an engaging discussion. As mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, this is one session in a series of six under the title, Protecting Animal Welfare in Today's World, Building Unity Through Understanding. Today was the sixth and final session. For access to previous episodes in this series, which focused on a variety of topics, such as recognizing the signs of abuse and neglect, the role of veterinarians and inspectors in the PAWS system, and the evolving field of animal welfare, please visit cvo.org resources.